Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven on this wonderfully soggy Tuesday morning, July 26th. It's so good to be with you today, even though, I mean, you know, as gloomy as it is outside, it's still warm and cheery inside, and we need the rain. We need the rain. We need the cooler temperatures. So, uh, you know, I will, I will take it this morning. I, I will take it. Um, let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you know, for our listeners in southern Missouri and parts of southern Illinois, I suppose you have it nice and dry this morning, but here up in St. Louis and into northern central Illinois, it is... I mean, to say it's raining is an understatement. I'm sure Mike Roberts is going to have something to say about this a little bit later on. But, I mean, normally if there's a storm in the middle of the night, I wake up with the storm. It wasn't the thunder that woke me up. It was the volume of the rainfall. Now, granted, our bedroom is in a finished attic in our house. And so the only thing separating us from the roof is about 8 to 10 inches of insulation, uh, substrate, et cetera, you know, whatever they put underneath the, the shingles. I think it's, I don't know. I don't even think we have a plywood roof. I think we have a, a plank roof. It's how old the house is. Um, so there's not much. And, and when it rains really hard, you can hear it. Now, for the longest time, I've been meaning to get up on the roof, um, not just for the sheer enjoyment of it, but because we have a leak somewhere near our chimney. And I mean, it's a classic South St. Louis gingerbread brick cottage style house problem that where the chimney is you know the joint doesn't always stay watertight because you're transitioning from shingle to brick or you're transitioning from siding or to uh, brick around the chimney if you have a dormer like we do and i mean we, we put flashing in when we dormered out the attic and all of that and yet something has failed and we need to get up there and look at it Now, how do we know it's failed? Well, because inside our bedroom, right where the chimney runs down the wall, the paint's starting to bubble up, and that's a sure indicator that moisture is getting back there. Plus, there's a a little bit of a water spot on the ceiling. And it's probably something as simple as we just need to get up there with some tar and uh, just kind of reseal everything up around the flashing. You have to do that from time to time. It happened a few years ago for us in our kitchen around the vent stack where that came out of the roof, and it was a very, very simple fix. But, you know, how often do we put off those simple fixes? Something that is very easy for us to do, and we just, ah, that's not that big of a problem. I mean, is that water, it's not like it's coming in raining like this every day. Surely it's not that bad. I don't I don't need to drop what I'm doing and plug up this leak, plug up this hole now, do I? Well, the answer is Yes. Because when we ignored the vent stack problem in the kitchen a couple years ago, well, sure enough, we had to take part of the drywall ceiling down and 
uh, take some insulation out, and our ceiling still looks like a mess because I am not a drywall finisher. And then we said maybe we'll put up a decorative ceiling, and we, we just never got to it. Now, that's all well and good for the weather here. But in our spiritual lives, the same principle applies. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know how this works for you, but I imagine it works the same for you as it does for me. That every now and then I just, you know, I, I got a little leak in my spiritual life. You know, I just let a little bit of a bad influence, not even in, you know, you know I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall victim to that, but I'm not going to get away from it either. And then we just kind of become acclimated to it. And then the next thing you know, we're joining in. And then the next thing you know, we're in something deeper and something deeper and something deeper. Now, for the guys out there, and maybe for the, for the women too, you know, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. They say, well, I, you know, that's not really all that inappropriate or explicit, but it is minor inappropriate in what you're watching, and you just kind of tolerate that, and then the line just keeps shifting and shifting, and the next thing you know, you're watching something that's inappropriate, and you say, how did I get here? Well, you have to be on guard. You have to be on guard in the little things. Today on the show, we are going to be hearing about the vocation of grandparents. Today is the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne, Jesus' grandparents. The, uh, I, I keep wanting to say the original grandparents, but they're not. Uh, there were grandparents before Saints Joachim and Anne, but exemplary grandparents for us. And I'm a parent. I have no idea what the vocation of grandparent is like. I get to watch my parents be grandparents, and that's always a good time. They came over last night for some ice cream and a little visit. And then we're also going to be talking with Doug Berry today, continuing our look at the Ten Commandments by diving into the second commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not take my name in vain. So I am looking forward to that. But as I mentioned, it's raining. And as we've been speaking this morning, the sky has gone from gray to very dark, back to a gray. And I don't know what it's going to do next, but Mike Roberts does. So let's go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. And then when we come back, we'll be talking with Paul and Kay Halfman about the vocation of grandparents. Today is the memorial of Saints Joachim and Anne, parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We know Joachim and Anne only by tradition, and it holds that Joachim was born in Nazareth around 50 BC and that Saint Anne was born around the same time in Bethlehem. Joachim and Anne first lived in Galilee and then moved to Jerusalem. Joachim was a wealthy man who regularly gave to the poor, but at one point his offering at the temple was rejected because he and Anne had no children, which was seen as a sign that God had rejected them. Joachim retreated to the desert where he fasted for 40 days. During this time, angels appeared to both him and Anne, telling them they would have a child and that they should go meet one another at the Golden Gate of Jerusalem, which they did in a beautiful embrace, sharing the amazing news. Although this is all based on tradition, it is fundamental to understanding why and how the Blessed Mother is the Immaculate Conception. In Lourdes, she appears to St. Bernadette and says, I am the Immaculate Conception. In 1941, St. Maximilian Kolbe, shortly before he is arrested by the Nazis and sent to Auschwitz, where he would give his life to save a fellow prisoner, finally realizes what the Blessed Mother meant when she told St. Bernadette, I am the Immaculate Conception. And it was this. 
Mary, because she was immaculately conceived in the womb of St. Anne by the Holy Spirit, is the created immaculate conception, and the Holy Spirit is the uncreated immaculate conception. Saints Joachim and Anne, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Well, it is World Grandparents Day, and here at Roadmap to Heaven, it's no exception. We're going to celebrate grandparents today. I have often shared that it was my grandmother. We used to go over to her house after school on weekdays because she literally lived behind the parish church in school, and she was retired, and I loved it because I only knew my one grandmother, my maternal grandmother growing up, and it was from her that I learned so much. Her witness I've shared multiple times of always having her rosary sitting in her recliner next to her side table. That's where I came to know her love of the rosary and the importance of the rosary. And many times she would take me out on adventures when she was a catechist with RCIA. I would tag along when they would go to the cathedral or to this historic church or to whatever it may be. And so many great adventures with Grandma, in addition to so many great Cardinal baseball games. And (laughs) I think we toured the brewery once or twice, went to Grant's Farm on a number of occasions. And why today? Well, Pope Francis gave us this day as World Grandparents Day because today is really the grandparents of our Lord. It's their day, the memorial of Saints Joachim and Anne, parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and grandparents of our Lord. So I brought in some grandparents, and we're happy to be joined today by Paul and Kay Halfman from D6 Ministries, who are not only parents, but you are now grandparents going on, what, six years, Paul? Yes, six years. (laughs) Our oldest grandson is six, and then in the past year— We had four grandbabies born in a span of about four months. Right. They're all coming up on their one-year birthday. I can't even believe that. Yeah. Wow. I bet that's going to be quite the party when everybody gets (laughs) Uh, together. Times four. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's talk about this for a second because, you know, the first step on the road to becoming grandparents is to become parents. And if everything goes in order, you get married, you become parents, and then you become grandparents. And, And that's what we highly encourage here on Roadmap to Heaven. It's easy to think of the vocation of parents because we talk about it all the time on the show, and you're on the far side of parenting compared to me. You've got one that just turned 18. You've got kids that have long been out of college, and as you said, you have four one-year-old grandbabies and your six-year-old grandson. I think about, okay, how am I going to get my kids to that point? But I imagine at a certain point, especially when your first grandchild came into the world, Something kind of switched that your vocation, you know, you, you got an additional vocation as grandparent. And I'm curious how that's different. How is that vocation of grandparent that God's called you to be different than the vocation of parent that you are? Mm. So I just remember walking in the very first time I got to meet William, who's the six-year-old, brand new baby, and just crying tears of joy over my daughter and son-in-law and just realizing, like, look at what you have created, you know, the beauty of this brand new, fresh from heaven baby. And you're right. It wasn't like an instant switch, but all of a sudden I was, I could just 
cuddle and cradle and and love on him and bless him and pray over him but I didn't have to take care of the feeding unless I wanted to. I did, you know, I didn't have to change a diaper unless I wanted to. I didn't have to like discipline along the way unless I wanted to, right? So that primary caretaker for us, for me and Paul, because we're not the primary caretakers, though we know that there are grandparents that are, but we could just like love on them in a way that maybe the parents didn't have the energy for. Not that they don't love their kids. I don't mean that, but just that they're tired, you know, and parenting is tiring. And so we could step in when they were tired. And I'm curious too, and Paul, maybe you could shed some light on this. Your your oldest grandson is turning six or is six. I would imagine, like most grandchildren in a healthy, happy home, he looks up to you. You're still a role model, even though you're not the primary enforcer or disciplinarian (laughs) or teacher or catechist, you still have a, a, a role model position. Yeah, I think he really loves our youngest son because he's closest to him in age. Yes. <laughs> but when he's not there. It's um, Papa. <laughs> yeah, he looks at Papa. And it is, it's a beautiful role as a grandparent. I've heard it once described as after you raise your children, it's God's gift to you, you know, to be a grandparent. Because <laughs> the pressure's off. It really it is. And, and you can just be there and you can kind of do it with, with a sense of, of relaxation. I love playing with with William. And even now when the babies come over, we have a pool and just having uh, Lewis in the pool and swimming and Lucy, and it's just a great time. But also there's, there's a much deeper spiritual component, I think, to being a grandparent that, that you can, depending on how your children, where they are in their faith, if their faith is strong, then you just supplement a little bit what the parents are doing. But that's not the case for a lot of grandparents that I know. So that role to really bring the love of Jesus to those kids is really vital and really important. I remember at one point in time, my grandmother said something to me. My parents were caught in traffic. They were late picking us up. So grandma was going to feed us dinner. And the way she prayed before meals was a little bit different than what we did at home. And I said, wait, that's not how we do it at home. And she goes, well, that's how we do it at my house. (laughs) And I was like, all right, well, then at grandma's house, that's how we're going to do it. Kay, I think back to when you were with us for the Mother's Day roundup Mm -hmm. a few months back. One of the things that, that you were talking about is the idea of teaching your oldest daughter, who made you a grandparent first, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some of the things that you needed to know going into parenting. Because I remember, you know, when our first was born, we were terrified. By the time we got to our fifth, we're like, all right, we know this routine. We're telling the nurses, all right, we got this. You know, we, we already have that. You know, they're like, oh, you're good. here. You know, But how have you, especially with four of your children, three of them becoming first-time parents mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. how has that role of grandparent manifested itself in the way you then parent your children? Because you're still their parent, even though you're the grandparent, mm-hmm. the grandmother of their children. Yeah, good question. <laughs> so... Well, okay, so I get to see my one daughter frequently because she lives close by, and two of them are out of state with the kids, and the other one lives, it's a commitment. I mean, it's like a 50-minute drive. So the one that lives only 10 minutes away, we see her, and I recognize, like, she's the mom, but, like, she does look to me, like, how do I parent this baby, you know? And something from when we were first married, there was a time (laughs) that our my parents sat us down and said, you shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, or we wouldn't do it that way. And we we were like, don't tell us how to raise our kids. And so 
we have taken that as our role as grandparents. We don't necessarily tell our children, this is how we would do it, but rather by example, right? And so, I don't know, I just, I feel like... Not to step in and say, you need to be raising your child like this, but rather, should you have questions? Right, hey, absolutely. I'm here and I'm happy to share absolutely. my experience. And they have asked those questions, you know, and, and just to, to say that we are available for that if they would like to ask us questions, but we don't just step in. We don't overstep boundaries, you know. Something else I was going to say when we were talking, or when, something Paul had said earlier, spiritually with our grandkids, well, two things that I personally do is, and you do as well, is when they leave our house, and it's something that my mom brought into our family, was to bless our kids with the sign of the cross on the forehead and say, remember who you are. And then the response is, I am a child of God. Or we've shortened it to just child of God or just COG or COG or whatever, you know. And we do that with the grandkids now. And they can't talk. A six-year-old can, but, you know, the babies can't talk. And so I always go, you know, remember who you are. And I say, you know, you will say, I am a child of God. (laughs) But my kids, all of my kids say, tell me, you know, the ones that have children, they said, you know, we do that every night with our kids. So that remember who you are. I am a child of God. So they are reiterating what we were brought up with. So All right. Well, so it sounds like you're seeing the fruit of your parenting in a way in how your children are mm-hmm. parenting. That's got yeah. that's got to be edifying. You it know, is. say okay. Yeah. We got something right here. So, I'll tell you what, let's take a really quick break when we come back. We'll keep visiting with Paul and Kay Halfman talking about grandparenting on this World Grandparents Day, the Memorial of Saints Joachim and Anne. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this World Grandparents Day. We're talking with Paul and Kay Halfman about the vocation of grandparent and their experience with it. Kay, one of the things I want to ask about, because, you know, again, comparing the fact that I'm a parent and you're now a grandparent, I hope to be there someday. But right now I'm just so preoccupied with my kids. Like, how do I make sure they're educated? How do I make sure they're healthy? How do I see to it that they grow up holy or at least wanting to be holy? And so there's a lot of time spent in prayer. Lord, help me to be the best parent I can be, the best example for them so that they grow up to love you. I mean, I could get them into the finest schools maybe. I don't know that I actually could, but if I could get them into the finest schools and if I could make sure that they got perfect scores on the ACT and SAT and all of that with a great job someday, if my children fell away from the faith— You know, I've probably failed then at my number one job as a parent that I took on at their baptism, which Mm -hmm. was to teach them the faith. However, at your grandchildren, at your grandbaby's baptisms, you did not take on that role to be the primary catechist. But I imagine you still pray for your grandkids. Yeah, absolutely. So for all of our married life, you know, Paul and I, we have prayed for each one of our children's vocation and their future spouses. And... They're not too young now. We could pray for vocations and future spouses for our grandchildren. But 
every time at the Eucharistic consecration, in particular at every Mass I go to, my prayer is that each one of my children and my grandchildren and all the generations after them would remain close to the Catholic Church. Because, like you said, our role is to get our children to heaven and to get our grandchildren to heaven and their children and their children. And, and I mean, it's a, it's a generational thing. And so that is my deep prayer is that they would all stay close to the Catholic Church. One of the things I, I love about seeing my parents as grandparents is that periodically I get a text message or a call. When can we have a sleepover? When can they come spend the night? I want to see my grandbabies. And it's like, all right, we'll work it out whenever you want. And there's always a point where, you know, our kids still want to say goodnight to us. So we FaceTime. We don't call on the phone. We FaceTime. And sure enough, there they are snuggled up in grandma's lap on the couch, usually with a book in hand, and it's my dad that answers the phone and says, hold on, and he turns the phone around and shows them. They're like, hey, we're reading a book. Good night. You know, we'll talk to you tomorrow when you come pick us up. Uh, but, Paul, we think of evangelization opportunities, and that's that's a golden opportunity right there for grandparents without necessarily saying, I'm going to force you to be Catholic, but we can bring our Catholic faith you or you can. I don't have grandkids yet, but you can bring your Catholic faith to your grandkids. Absolutely, that's the ideal time. I think you're, you're gathering up, whether it's it's bedtime or not. But when our grandkids are there, we'll pray with them mm-hmm. at nighttime, mm-hmm. the same way we've prayed with all of our kids growing up. You can read those Bible stories to them. You know, you can share the lives of the saints. You can even tell them your own stories of how, you know, Jesus has really been there for you. How he takes care of us. And even specific examples as they get older. I think those kind of things really do strengthen kids' faith. And again, it's kind of a supplement to what their parents are doing, but it can be a very important part. Yeah. One of my favorite pictures I have of Paul with our oldest grandson, William, is William sitting on your lap and the two of you looking at a Bible story book, you know, and you're reading to him. And I snapped that picture. And I just, I love that because that's a generational thing, you know. So I I love the moral of this, to pray, pray for your grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And it's a different prayer than it is for your children, but somewhat the same. Mm -hmm. Praying for them to stay close to our Lord Mm -hmm. and to the church. And, you know, I imagine, Kay, that in that you're praying for your children in a different way, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. That they would have the strength they need and the grace they need to be good parents. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, as you just said, those opportunities for evangelization, whether it's through story time or here, let's watch this short video. Mm-hmm. I know my parents got one of my daughters hooked on, it's a musical, Joseph and the Amazing oh. Technicolor oh, Dreamcast. That's the best. That's my favorite. You know, <laughs> is it 100% solid scriptural? No, but then it's got them asking questions about, well, who was Joseph? Is this a real story? Is this really in the Bible, Dad? You know, Grandpa showed me this. Yeah, let's talk about it. So uh, a great, great opportunity for us. Could I ask one of you to lead us in a prayer for grandparents? Sure, Sure, certainly. You do that. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just invite you as grandparents into our hearts. Help us to to have the the faith of Joel, Kim, and Anne, that they would pray for us in our role as grandparents, bringing the faith to our grandchildren. Help us to be faithful in prayer to them. Help us always to reflect the love that Jesus has for us as his children. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen.
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Paul and Kay, I want to thank you and to my parents and to my wife's parents, to you and to all grandparents everywhere. I'd like to wish you a happy Grandparents Day. And, you know, hopefully you get a little treat today as you celebrate. I don't know, but at least a little little phone call or FaceTime or or something like that. uh, They better be listening today, right? (laughs) Well, if they're not, you know, you can always send them the podcast and and listeners, you can do that too. We are going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. A little fun for us on this rainy Tuesday morning. We are singing in the rain today, which leads us to our catechist question. And, you know, I'm kind of sad because, you know, that, that was fun, but then we miss out on our, our catechist music. I make too much of that every time. So here's our question. In the book of Genesis, chapter 6, uh, in fact, uh, if, you, if you have your Bible out, I'll make this really easy for you. Chapter 6, Genesis 6, verse 14. The Lord... Pardon me, the Lord gives Moses, or not Moses, so that's already, we're wrong on the question. The Lord gives Noah the instructions for how to build the ark. What was the unit of measurement that God gave the dimensions for the ark in? What was the unit of measurement? I'll tell you what, it's probably not on your uh, tape measure, unless you have a very special tape measure that you got at the hardware store. All right, so the unit of measurement was the cubit, and this is actually uh, something that we, we know a little bit about. Um, the cubit is defined by Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica, as equal to 18 inches based on the length of the arm from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger and was considered the equivalent of six palms or two span, spans. Uh, in some ancient cultures, it was as long as 21 inches, but the, the generally accepted is 18 inches. So if, if you're wondering today, should I build an ark? Now, let's remember, God promised he would never flood the world as he did in Genesis again. Not that we wouldn't have localized flooding, but he's not going to flood the entire world as he did in Genesis again. Um, but you need some gopher wood. That's the wood that he specifies. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Equip the ark with various components or compartments and cover it inside and out with pitch. I had to look that one up last night, by the way. I was like, I wonder what the term was for how you waterproof a uh, boat back before, you know, all this modern chemicals we have. We have sealants now and and these things, tar or pitch. And then you shall build it. The length of the ark will be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. Make an opening for daylight and finish the ark a cubit above the opening Put the ark's entrance on its side, and you will make it with bottom, second, and third decks. So there were three decks on the ark, many compartments. And it, to give you some perspective, if you followed the uh, the generally accepted 18 inches, a cubit is 18 inches, the ark would have been 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and then from the bottom of the ark to the opening for daylight, it would have been 45 feet tall, 
with then another 18 inches on top of that. So about a foot and a half, almost two feet, making that about 40, somewhere between 46 and 47 feet tall from top to bottom. And to give you some perspective on this, if you've ever been to the St. Louis Gateway Arch National Park and you've seen the arch downtown, the arch stands at 400, or not 400, 630 feet tall. And at its base, it is also 630 feet. And so while you could fit the arc in between the legs of the arch, you wouldn't really have too terribly much room to, uh, to keep going there. But you could fit it there. So lest any of you are thinking about getting some gopher wood and building an arc this morning, now you have the dimensions for you. You know, it's kind of a good reminder for us, though. A lot of people say, well, what's the matter to what I do? God's going to be all merciful, right? He promised at the end uh, that he, he told Noah, I'm never going to flood the world again. And in fact, I want to say that's in chapter 7 here, um, the end of the great flood. What's it matter what I do? God said he's not going to do anything like that again. And it, it does matter greatly. It does. So let's not uh, forget that. Maybe today's rain is a good reminder for us to go to confession. Go to confession. If it's been a while, today could be the reminder. It's also a good reminder for us. We've been praying for our farmers and uh, those who have needed the rain. A great day to pray for them and Thanksgiving for them. Uh, I'm sure it'd be better to have the rain (laughs) spread out, but, you know, here we have it. And just in case you're curious today, the National Weather Service in St. Louis and Weldon Spring said that we received 8.06 inches of rainfall from midnight to about 7 a.m. today, 8.068 and six-tenths of an inch rainfall, or six-hundredths of an inch rainfall. The previous record was in 1915 with 6.85 inches, and it hasn't stopped raining yet, so we are going to set uh, an even higher record today. This is, I, I can't tell you the last time I've seen this amount of rain. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we'll be talking with Doug Berry about the second commandment. Don't go anywhere. Are you enjoying this episode of Roadmap to Heaven? Are you saying to yourself, I wish I could listen to this again? Well, good news, you can. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network to find this episode and more. And for even more great Catholic content, be sure to visit www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-CatholicRadio.org and click on the Programs tab for some great shows. And now back to Roadmap to Heaven. We're back and we're talking with Doug Berry. And once again, over the next several days, we're going to be tackling the Ten Commandments one by one. Yesterday, I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt not have false gods before me. Today is one that I think every day, Doug, Every day I hear someone violate this commandment, thou shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Yeah, this is one of those that we get so used to hearing because we hear it in TV shows, movies, exclaiming some sort of shock, oh my, and we hear God's name. There are different levels, obviously, of abusing God's name and blasphemy itself, but disrespecting the name of God in general. 
lowering the dignity of the name of God in our conversation, in our speech, even being okay with entertaining ourselves. Now, you'll hear it sometimes, sure. I remember, you know, years ago, a nun saying to me that when you hear the name of God abused, TV, movie, what have you, just in your heart, or even in conversation with someone else, in your heart, in your mind, say, blessed be the name of Jesus and a slight bow of the head, or make a sign of the cross, or my Lord and my God, some respectful way to atone for that in some way. It's kind of like someone mocks your friend and you turn and say, hey, wait a minute, turn to your friend and say, I love you. You're my friend. Hey, man, I got your back. Something like this. So when it comes to God's name, we have to realize that in the order of the commandments, the first commandment being that God is number one, you must have no God, but God himself. The second is his name is sacred. This is a very, very important piece of the commandments to remember there's an order to them. And again, these first three focus on God himself. Second commandment, the name of God is sacred. As the catechism teaches, the name of God should never be used in our language except to praise, worship, glorify, exalt, raise up. So anytime we even use the name of God by saying, oh my, and we put the name of God there, we're not thinking. It's more of a not thinking moment in most cases. That's much different than using the name of God and then followed up with a damn. That's much harsher. Or using the name of Jesus in some way that's harsh and abusive. Those are blasphemous statements. So the second commandment, while there is much to it, in fact, I will simply say that there's over 100 pages in the Catechism written on the Ten Commandments, so obviously we can't cover every bit of it, but let's just focus on some of the key parts in each of these. This is something to remember. The name of God is sacred. The name of Jesus is sacred. Remember, bow your head at the name of Jesus. When you hear it abused, make some sort of act of reparation. Guard your language. Be truthful in your words. Don't take oaths and vows and things of that nature that are not in accordance with the truth of God. Our language matters. Now, there's a second commandment, obviously, down the road we're going to be addressing language, but we want to make sure that we address this first one here, the name of God, sacred. When we willingly entertain ourselves with things that we know regularly abuse God's name, we've got to be really questioning ourselves, why do I want to be hearing God's name abused so repeatedly in a TV show or a movie? So even those things we've got to be taking serious consideration. We wouldn't want our children to be raised thinking that it's acceptable to abuse the name of anybody that's important to us. If God is important to us, then we don't want to raise our children thinking it's okay to abuse the name of God either. So let's really get on this one and think about how we use the name of God and how we defend and protect the name of God or any of the saints the angels, the name of Jesus, the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, and so forth. You know, it's said that there is power in the name of Jesus. That's a whole other set of segments we can do as well, the power of the Lord's name. But I'll also say this, there's power in the electrical outlet in the wall, and you don't see me sticking a paper clip into the outlet to misuse it because I know it's going to hurt me. And again, it comes back to what we said yesterday. This is not just about the just respect that our Lord deserves from us in observing this commandment. This is also about our protection from sin. It is a both and. So don't misuse the power of the Lord's name. Doug Berry, I look forward to the rest of these. It's great to be with you today. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate the chance. It's time for our Daily Dose of Encouragement on this Tuesday, and it's not a Jeopardy category, but it could be. Instead of quotable quotes, it's favorite homily quotes that Patty Schneier's heard in her lifetime. So, Patty, what do you have for us today? Well, yesterday I shared the story from Father Gene Robertson, priest of the Archdiocese of St. Louis, who was instrumental in my journey of faith. And today I'm going to share 
a quote from Father Gary Gebeline, who was also at St. Ferdinand Parish back in 2002 and was instrumental in my faith journey. And it was so funny. It was just, this is not a big story. This is just one sentence that he said in a homily. And yet I can remember it 20 years later. And he said this. He was quoting St. Augustine, actually, was what he was doing. But it was in his homily. And Father Gary said, you possess the Holy Spirit to the extent that you love the church. Now, that blew me away because I, as a born and raised Catholic, I loved a lot of things about the church. I loved my parish. I loved our parish school. I loved parish picnic. I loved cantering. I loved our pastor. I loved so many things about what I consider to be my church, right? My parish, my church. But no, he was talking about and saying, you possess the Holy Spirit to the extent that you love the church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I knew he was also referring to and all of her teachings. I always had considered myself to be a very Holy Spirit filled person. You know, I was a very enthusiastic, lifelong Catholic, very energetic and canter and singing and very involved in my parish. So I thought I loved the Holy Spirit, knew the Holy Spirit. But he said, no, you possess the Holy Spirit to the extent that you love the church. And that began my journey of not just loving Jesus and not just loving God, but loving Jesus and his church. And that was a huge step. So today I'm going to just throw it out there. Do you love the church? Do you love the church and all of her teachings? And pray for the grace to fall in love with Jesus Christ and his church. As my eighth grade teacher used to say, write this down, it will be on the test. And so I'm writing it down because what a great lesson for us today. You know, going back to eighth grade, not only did she say, write this down, it it will be on the test. Um, It would also actually be on the test. It wasn't just to remember this. I'm saying this to to scare you into remembering it. It would be on the test. And how many times uh, someone in our class would lament, myself included at one point in time, would lament, I didn't know that we needed to know this for the test. And she would say, I told you, write this down. It will be on the test the test. And I think that's the, you know, one of the takeaways from today, uh, whether we talk about the second commandment, whether we talk about uh, the vocation as parent, the vocation as grandparent, there's so much that is clearly given to us uh, that we might as well say, write this down. It will be on the test. Um, You know, the 10 commandments will be on the test. The uh, sanctifying grace will be on the test. Cubits, maybe, probably not going to be on the test, you know, but 18 inches, just in case it is on the test. A a cubit is generally regarded as 18 inches. It also has me thinking of an old video game we used to play called Cubert, which is a whole different story. But here's the great thing. You know, in in, uh, college, I had this professor for meteorology, understanding the weather, and he was a great professor. And if you'd go in to, to see him in his office and say, Professor, I'm having a hard time with this, he'd give you a practice exam. And you know what the beautiful thing was? The practice exam was almost the exact same thing as the regular exam. But the only way you'd get it is if you went into his office and said, 
I'm having a hard time with this. And he said, well, let me give you something to help you get that mastered before the final exam. How beautiful are the sacraments? You know, I'm having a hard time living a life of virtue. Well, come be nourished by our Lord. Come be nourished by the Eucharist. Okay, but then I made a mistake. I was taking the practice test here, and I, I made a big mistake. Not You know, it's not a minor thing. It's like this whole problem is wrong. Big red X right there. Okay, well, come to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and uh, we can erase that mistake. You can start over again. You can, you can take a new test. Okay, well, here we are four weeks later. I made a mistake again. All right, here's a new eraser. Let's erase that one. Let's absolve you of your sins if you're contrite. And then go from there. And it's really a beautiful thing. And the more we practice this, the more we practice this by regular confession, regular frequenting of the sacraments, especially the Most Holy Eucharist, and striving to be, you know, it's one of those weird things that we talk about worthy reception of Holy Communion. And our Lord and His goodness and His grace has set the bar for us that worthy reception is to receive Him while in a state of grace, not in a state of complete, absolute, 100% perfection. Because if that was the case, you know, could I could I go and receive? Now, in a beautiful thing, attending Mass and receiving Holy Communion actually wipes away our venial sins. We'll have to talk about that someday. That's a beautiful thing, right? But it, not our mortal sins. We have to go to confession for those. And yet our Lord gives us regular opportunities through the sacraments to practice this each and every day, because when we die, guess what? State of grace, that's going to be on the test. And what's the easiest way to stay in a state of grace? Frequent the sacraments, pray the rosary daily, know the Ten Commandments and strive to follow them, and pray for the grace you need in this world to avoid the temptations that the devil's throwing at us left and right through the secular culture, through our own attitudes, appetites, and desires that We might live a life of fasting and prayer and hold true to our Lord and to the gospel. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I want to thank Paul and Kay Halfman for being on the show with us today, as well as Doug Berry for being back with us as well. Tomorrow on the show, Doug's going to be with us talking about the third commandment. We're also going to be talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby about our spiritual work during the season of Ordinary Time, and Crystalina Everett's going to help us start getting ready for back to school. Yes, it's time to start thinking about back to school, like it or not. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.